My name is Aaron Prince Staley, and you're listening to the Podcast Preview, where I tell you about a podcast that you are going to love. Today, I'm going to introduce you to Baby Geniuses, an hour-long comedy podcast from Maximum Fun, which is a podcast network run by Jesse Thorne. There's a lot of really good podcasts out of there. So, Baby Geniuses is hosted by two comedians. One is Emily Heller, who's an actor and comedian, and the other one is Lisa Hanawalt, who is also an artist. Together, they're best known for BoJack Horseman, the cartoon show on Netflix, which Lisa Hanawalt uh, designed the art for and Emily does a voice on. So, the Baby Geniuses podcast goes like this. It's an hour-long comedy podcast. It starts out with just Lisa and Emily recording a short intro together where they catch up and goof around, which is a pretty common feature among comedy podcasts. There's always a catch-up segment at the beginning, which is nice because you usually know that the, the, the hosts of the show, you know, as a fan, you want to hear what's going on with them. Then the show gets unique. They dive right into what they call Chunch Chat, which is a recurring segment about Martha Stewart's horse uh, debatably named Ben Chunch or Ban Chunch. Lisa Hanawalt is obsessed with horses, and she really likes Martha Stewart's horse, but it's it's played for laughs. It's a very funny segment, um, not just uh, some horse nerd thing, you know. Then they go into One on Fun, where they ask each other a fun question. Uh, Wiki of the Week, where they go over an interesting Wikipedia page. You always learn something there. They'll interview a guest who's usually a comedian from... Um, you know, the comedy world that they're involved in, who will tell them something interesting that they know a lot about. And then they dive into Expert Hour, which is uh, a character uh, comes on the show, um, or an actor in character comes on the show purporting to be an expert about something, usually that the actor or comedian doesn't know anything about, and hilarity ensues. So let's hear a beginning of the show. This is uh, a clip of the intro section with uh, just Emily and Lisa talking about some of their weird Facebook friends. What else do we want to talk about before we get to... Uh, weird Facebook friends. Weird Facebook friends. Let's talk about it. Okay. Um, we're so, at the point now in Facebook where I think I don't know probably most of the people I'm Facebook friends with anymore or at all. Yeah. I mean, what's weird to me is when you did know them once, like in high school, and then they've changed into yes. something you do not recognize anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's like when you have a dream about someone, you're, you're like, I guess it's them, but now they're like, they work for like a hospital, or like, I don't really, yeah. Yeah, when did this happen? For me, the weirdest, creepiest thing is when they used to be someone personable, like an actual human being that I was friends with, and then, um, and then they somehow become this like, they get into online marketing or like buzzwords <laughs> and LinkedIn. And you all have a friend who got really into online marketing, right? Just <laughs> creepy like that that I don't understand. Um, there's this one yeah. person in particular who I'm Facebook friends with, and she, I don't, I'm pretty sure she joined a pyramid scheme because I cannot figure out what she does or how she For makes her money. There's she, a lot of life coaches on Facebook that I'm friends with, like oh, who yeah. got certified by someone. A girl from my high school joined a sex cult. And now, like, sex cult. and now is a certified open relationships life coach, certified by them. Wow. Um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of inspirational quotes from people who have not accomplished anything on yeah, Facebook. Yeah, this as well. person posts a lot of inspirational quotes. She also posts updates that are like, "I made eleven hundred dollars before I got out of bed this morning. It feels so great. My life is wonderful." And she posts like that all the time. She's really like doing well. But I keep going to her website and. All she does, from what I can see, is blog about blogging. 
and make videos saying I'm very successful at online marketing, but I don't know what that is and I don't know yeah. where all this money comes from. That's like three sentences in a row that would really confuse an old person. <laughs> <laughs> or um, me. <laughs> Are you uh, calling me old? <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, it's just, you You use those words correctly, but I feel like an old I person guess. has no idea what we're talking about. But I don't know the words. I'm, I don't yeah. know what they mean. <laughs> like, I don't. Yeah. I've studied her videos and stuff, and I still don't have any clue what she does or how it's of use to anyone. So um, do you, with people like that, do you ever think about unfriending? No, because I'm so fascinated by it, yeah. and I love reading her updates. I'll even take screen caps of them so I can look at them later. Because I'm just like, what is she? Really? How is this a human? Oh, yeah, man. But I'm also, I you know, I admire her for being a making eleven hundred dollars before she gets out of bed. Yeah, that segment is so real. I think we all know somebody who's just like that on Facebook, don't you? Okay, so that's just the first segment where they goof around. Just the two of them. Very quickly, a guest will come on the show. Um, Lisa and Emily are, are hilarious, and the guests that they bring on are just as funny. The next segment I'm going to play has uh, Paul F. Tompkins on it. Paul F. Tompkins is sort of a legend in comedy podcasts. He's all over the Comedy Bang Bang podcast. He's sort of the highlight of that show, plays these really big, over-the-top characters. Um, he's also uh, hosts his own podcast, Spontanea Nation, which is an improvised uh, sort of story, long-form improv story. And then, and he's also a, a super dapper guy. He wears sort of wild, uh, interesting suits. He has this sort of uh, well-coiffed but very uh, original hair and a mustache. He's a very distinctive-looking guy, and he pulls it off with super uh, classy stuff. You Google what Google Paul F. Tompkins to, to see what I'm talking about. Um, so he uh, he came on the Wiki of the Week segment of Baby Geniuses, and the Wikipedia they were talking about that week was about dancing mania, and Paul has none of it. Okay, it's time for Wiki of the Week. Uh, this week's Wikipedia page was sent to us by Tyler Critch. Before I introduce it, let's introduce our guest for this week. He is a hilarious comedian. Please welcome Paul F. Tompkins. Yeah. Also voice of Mr. Peanut Butter on Bojack Horseman. That's also true. <laughs> <laughs> um, this week's Wikipedia page is the Wikipedia page for Dancing Mania, also known as Dancing Plague, Choreomania, St. John's Dance, and historically, St. Vitus's Dance. All the other descriptions are very current. <laughs> Names for it. Um, it's a social phenomenon that occurred primarily in mainland Europe between the 14th and 17th centuries. It involved groups of people dancing erratically, sometimes thousands at a time. The original flash mob. Oh this boy. is my favorite part. Yeah, you want to read this? In Italy, a similar phenomenon was tarantism, in which the victims were said to have been poisoned by a tarantula or scorpion. Its earliest known outbreak was in the 13th century, and the only antidote known was to dance to particular music to separate the venom from the blood. Is that where the tarantella comes from? What's the tarantella? Is that a dance? Probably. Yeah. Right? That's the cure. You do that and then you So wait, so if these people got bitten by a tarantula, then they had to dance to a certain music, to a certain song? To a certain... A certain genre? To particular music. Uh, it only occurred the tarantella. The dancers would perform a tarantella accompanied by music, which, uh, which would eventually cure the victim, at least temporarily. And it only occurred in the summer months. 
That's hmm. so weird. <laughs> As with dancing mania, people people would suddenly begin to dance, sometimes affected by a perceived bite or sting, and were joined by others who believed the venom from their own old bites was reactivated by the heat or the music. Oh, you dumb peasants. <laughs> I hate these old-timey people so much. They make me so mad. I mean, obviously, if I lived in that time, I would also think that was true. You know what, Emily? I hope not. I like to think I like to think that you'd be more forward thinking than these apes. Because like the I, first of all, this is like the most insane it's the most insane mass hysteria because I think I think that people were so superstitious back then that they're just swept along on this tide. Like one person starts going crazy, like, Oh my god, I have it too and then they yeah. start dancing around. And then the the thing about my old spider bite gets reactivated. <laughs> oh, it makes me so mad. You dummies. But here's the thing. is like everyone thought this. They didn't have science they yet. Were, no. no, they didn't. And anyone who's trying to bring them science was like burned at the stake. Yeah. And they were like, no, I would prefer to just dance anytime anyone else gets bit by a spider. Which makes more sense, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your science or what I'm talking about here where this, I could dance away this uh, tarantula bite. Some of them participated in further activities, such as tying themselves up with vines, whipping each other, pretending sure. to sword fight, Absolutely. drinking large amounts of wine, <laughs> and jumping into the sea. <laughs> the only one that kind of makes sense to me is jumping yeah, into the sea. Yeah, that sounds like a really good cure. <laughs> that, that one kind of makes a little bit of sense to me. Yeah, I'll swim around in some salt water, and maybe that will do something. Yeah. The, the pretend sword <laughs> fight. Pretending to sword fight as a cure for something? I guess just to show you're tough, right? I guess so, and then I'll scare the venom out of your body. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, is there any tie into saints cursing people with these? Or this is just straight up. This is just straight they up. They got bit by a thing. This yeah. is straight up just guessing at science. <laughs> um, I guess so. Uh, oh. Some died if there was no music to accompany their dancing. What? Uh-huh. Sufferers typically had symptoms resembling those of dancing mania, such as headaches, trembling, twitching, and visions. Here's what makes me so mad about that, <laughs> is that, no, some did not die if there was no music. <laughs> no. This is a thing, this is a dumb theory by a dumb someone, medieval peasant. Someone just wrote that yeah, down. Now it's fact. Yeah. Like, that's what happened. So, happened no, that's like not what happened. <laughs> some people die because they got bit by a poisonous thing. Yeah. Okay, that's Paul F. Tompkins. I love hearing him on podcasts. He's always a really awesome guest. Um, and I think he made that, that Wikipedia page. Great. Um, the next couple clips I'm going to play are all from the guest segment on baby geniuses. And this is, I think one of the places where baby geniuses gets really special because they ask the guests about something that they have interest in or knowledge about. Um, they, you get to hear sort of a side of the guests that you don't hear a lot on other shows. And that's, you know, that's what keeps all of these comedy podcasts different from each other is that everybody talks about different things. And because they're all comedians, it's funny and interesting to hear them talk about all these different things. So in this next clip, I'm going to play Megan Amram talks about um, crossword puzzles. Um, so here, take a listen. I feel this way truly where I'm like, I wish I didn't have work to do so I could work on my crossword puzzles. But I was telling Emily about this, but my like one of my like major dreams in my life is just to have a puzzle published in the New York Times. But I don't think I would ever do this. But my one idea for a tattoo 
is if I get a puzzle published, I'd want to get the entire puzzle tattooed on my back to the extent that you could like fill it fill in. Fill it in, yeah. And I every was, time you had a new yeah. lover, you'd be like, here's your first test. Right. I was like, this would be a beautiful like red dragon style thing to unfurl. <laughs> yeah, um, that'd be great. But That would be amazing. My mom would get mad at me because then I couldn't get like buried. And I, don't, do I think it. that's a myth. I oh, don't yeah. think that's true anymore. No, I think that's just a way that my mom says that I shouldn't As get a tattoo. <laughs> yeah, but also, do you really want to be buried no, I want to be stuffed and mounted <laughs> at the bottom of a staircase. Oh, I want no. <laughs> I want. To, I definitely want to be cremated, but I want my ashes thrown in the faces of people who are mean to me. Yeah, oh, one more thing about crossword puzzles. Oh, I yeah. also time myself every single day, which um, has become. It's turned one of my favorite hobbies into also a stressful oh thing. God. Yeah, which I was so like, why anxiety. am I doing this? Um, but really upset with yourself if you're having a slow day. I if I miss my personal record for the day by like three seconds, I have (laughs) I have like two like post-it notes on my computer and one is just my to-do list and my other are my daily records for each day of the New York Times crossword puzzle, which is so crazy. That is pretty crazy. That's Um, awesome. But (laughs) it's it is very satisfying to best yourself. Does your heart rate like go up while you're doing it? It's I have to go like chug like probably ga- like three Gatorades afterwards. <laughs> get all those, get all the electrolytes back. It's like running a marathon. Um, um, if you could give one tip to someone who's trying to get better at doing crosswords, what would it be? Um, start with just Monday. It's okay if you don't finish the whole thing. But when you're looking at a puzzle, start with the smallest words first, which are three letters. And look for if you know any facts just right off the bat. If it's like like Betty Blank movie star. It's like Betty Davis or whatever. Yeah. Um, I was going to say boop. That's not a person. Yeah, I'm so bad at this. not going to work for you. <laughs> Based on this answer, you don't got what it takes. Hey, um, but I'm really good at Sudoku. Yeah. And just like believe in yourself that you know the answer. That sounds really dumb. But it's like when you get to the really hard ones like Friday and Saturday usually the trivia is not so obscure that you won't know anything. Yeah. The thing that throws me off about it is like the weird phrasing where they're like, yeah, a lot of it is like double meaning. So it will be like, I don't know. What's a double meaning. It's like the ones that end in a question mark are always like, have like, uh, right. What does a question mark mean? I think, well, that means that it's like a play on words. It means it's not just like exactly what it's asking Uh, for. So like there's, there was a clue today that was compose and that either could be like write mm-hmm. or like get your together or compose yourself or compose a piece of music. So it's, oh, you just yeah. have to like go through all those different oh, yeah. things like that. Do but you, a flightless bird is almost always an emu. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or a nene. Any. Oh any yeah. That's right. Hawaiian flightless bird. <laughs> um, but excuse me. It's a good <laughs> Megan Amram is a super joke-centric comedian uh, online, so it's really cool to hear her like goof on a podcast and talk about crossword puzzles. Which her interest in crossword puzzles, she, she you know, it's told in a really funny way, but that's not something you can fit into 140 characters on Twitter. Um, so Megan Amram is a writer for Parks and Rec uh, and uh, the author of the book Science for Her. Um, but you can keep up with her on her hilarious Twitter account at Megan Amram. I really, really like her Twitter account. It's super duper funny. So next Claudio Doherty 
is a stand-up comedian from Australia. She's been on some really excellent episodes of Comedy Bang Bang in the last couple of years, as well as on the sketch comedy show, Curl Show. She's really great, and you can't hear much of her uh, except for those places, so it's always cool to get a chance to hear her on another podcast. Uh, She worked at a really bizarre aquarium, uh, and she'll tell you about it. We're back with Claudio Doherty. Hello. Hi. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank Let's you. Let's talk about when you worked at an aquarium. I worked at an aquarium uh, in 2008 for about eight weeks. <laughs> um, and it made a big impression. It did make a big impression. I mean, I was really obsessed with like the ocean. I was very into ocean stuff and like... Yes, I was really into ocean stuff, and I really needed some money to go to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, where I was in a sketch show. <laughs> and it was also like a very dark time because I had just gone through like a major breakup. Oh no! And I had so I needed uh, so I got a job at the ticket counter of the Sydney Aquarium, which I thought would actually be like the greatest job in the world. And from the first day, it seemed like it would be because they were like, "Now we're going to take you on a tour of the aquarium." And I was like, "Great!" So I got to go backstage at the aquarium. Which backstage. means, so like, I, like, you know, like walking behind like the penguin enclosure mm-hmm. and they're like, do you want to um, feed the sharks? And yes. I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> and then they put me into a metal dinghy. Do you have, do you have, do you say the word dinghy Is in America? It's just like a little tin boat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then gave me a, like a plastic lunchbox full of uh, dry dog food and put me in the dinghy and then they just pushed it out onto the top of the shark tank. <gasps> Oh, my God. And then they just, like, all swam up to the boat like uh, goldfish, really. And I was just, like, throwing the food out. Like, it was very bizarre. But what was really sort of tragic about this aquarium is that it's not run by, like, I don't know, the Ocean Society or people Uh who like a pro-ocean. It was run by Hoyts, which is the company that runs like um, uh, amusement parks and cinemas in Australia. I was wondering why they were feeding the sharks dog food. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that seems wrong. And when I started working there, they were like, big news, we've got dugongs. Do you know what dugongs are? You might say you might it's like a manatee i don't know oh. if it's in, i think it's um slightly different to a manatee but pretty much exactly the same you could google it dugongs? I, yeah we say yeah dugongs. dugongs but they look like manatees and they might just be manatees but anyway they're like we've got manatees and the great thing uh, like the selling point of manatees is that when explorers first saw them they thought they were mermaids so like that's how we're gonna promote it <laughs> we're gonna get um we're gonna get uh like proper great dancer swimmer girls dressed as mermaids to be in the tanks with them with the manatees and there was a problem because like they hadn't really thought about what temperature um of water that manatees manatees like to go in tropical water and seals they would also just put the manatees in with the seals oh my god and seals are in like very cold water but they just put the manatees in there and then it was like everyone was getting sick like the seals and the manatees so they're like okay we'll get rid of the seals oh my god don't know where they put the seals possibly in the bin They just got rid of the seals. but And then they sort of like, so they cranked up the temperature of the water and put the girls in the water with the manatees. But the manatees had gotten like this weird fungus from being in the wrong temperature of water. And then the girls caught the manatee fungus. <gasps> so like they had like the scariest, weirdest rashes. Fungus. Mm-hmm. Oh my from God. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, it was a horrible, horrible <laughs> job. Yeah, it was really... 
And you were selling tickets to that. It was a very bleak time. It was like winter in Australia and there was no walls on like the foyer area where I sold the ticket. Like I was at the ticket counter. So like it was just like icy winds blasting from the sea because it was like in a harbour and just like the most repetitive job in the world. And then on my lunch break, I would just go and look at the fish and the only music they had was the Harry Potter music. I've said Harry Potter in this podcast. But uh, I they, like it. They had that. Like that. Why was were they loop. playing the Harry Potter? It just was song. like suitably magical, <laughs> but it doesn't. It's not very aquatic. Yeah. No. So like, but that music was on a loop. And it makes you feel cold too, because it's Definitely. like all those movies are like winter time. Exactly. And there was also um, a really sad crocodile that's been there since I was a kid, because that was the aquarium that I would go to since I was a child in Australia. And it's just a really gigantic crocodile wedged into a very, oh. very small enclosure. Oh. Um, yeah, so it's a really bad aquarium. That's a horrible... Check it out. <laughs> you can see more of Claudio Doherty uh, on the new Netflix show, Love, which stars Gillian Jacobs and Paul Rust and a ton of other awesome comedians too, a lot of whom you'll see on uh, lots of podcasts too. I know Mike Mitchell's in there. He's uh, He hosts Doughboys, which is one of my favorite shows. There's, there's a lot of great people on there. Okay, Guy Branham is one of my favorite podcast guests. He's always hilarious, and I always learn something from him. On Baby Geniuses, he talks about Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her not quite as successful husband, Marty Ginsburg. Here's what Ruth did for me. Here, here's what Ruth did for me. Um, New hashtag game. <laughs> um, in 1996, uh, a case came up where Colorado had basically tried to, like some cities in Colorado had passed gay anti-discrimination laws for like housing and stuff. And then the state of Colorado passed a ballot initiative that said you cannot go into a court and argue that you being gay is is one of the reasons that they did something. Like, it was very, very sweeping. And so this went to the Supreme Court because there had never been a Supreme Court case that had ever said gay people have rights. Everything before that had just been, you want to send them to jail for Go for it. Um, So, like, here's the first one. It's basically stripping people of many of their legal rights for being gay in this state. And they're making a good argument that, hey, if you can make this, if you can send somebody for jail to this, you can discriminate against them for for renting them an apartment. Like mm-hmm. if you can, you can fire them if you can send them to jail for it. Yeah. It's all going beautifully. And they're talking about how these this nefarious small group of homosexuals have gotten into these cities and like gotten themselves rights in these small areas and soon it will grow. And Ruth just leans over and says, pardon me with her lovely Brooklyn <laughs> accent. But isn't that what the early suffragettes did? And there was it was this beautiful moment of just, hey, if you want to keep going with it, what you're saying, you have to insult me. Yeah. Like you have yeah. to insult me and another lady who's up here. Yeah. And it was just this beautiful moment of. And it's also like, where do you want? What side of history do you want to yes. be on? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was it was just a great moment of like, oh, no, I'm here, boys. Like I'm on this side of the bench. Um, it was uh, excuse me what'd you say <laughs> <laughs> and it was like it's beautiful and she's always been so good at like figuring out exactly the way to like pose the question and pose the problem mm-hmm. um, and one of the other really awesome things about her is she like her husband was awesome like her husband oh, yeah. was uh, he got testicular cancer her, his first year at, or his second year at um, 
at Harvard Law School while she was there with him. So she went to all of his classes and took notes for him and then did all of her classwork as well. Wow. Oh, my God. She's like Hermione. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but it, it meant that after that... And even even before that, he like when he was in the military and she was there on base, she tried to cook for him. It was like their first year of of being married and it went very poorly. This is not something that Ruth does. (laughs) And he was like, when I get home early enough, I will cook Um, or like (laughs) like just always being there and being weirdly supportive. When she got her job on the uh, on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, everyone assumed like, did you read the Henry Slaughter having it all? Um, article in yeah yeah so that was all about how she had to fly down to dc for her job and then back up mm-hmm. to where her family was everyone assumed that ruth would be doing the same thing just getting on the the shuttle every week and martin was like well no you're just like you're a court of appeals judge yeah. <laughs> like, i'll move where your job is oh, you have a better great. job than me um and this this guy who like at all times was willing to say i am a very good lawyer I'm not the best lawyer in my house. Women have yeah. to say that all the time. Yeah. But the fact that he was able to do that and like be chill about it and like, because he was a And su- have it not drive him crazy. Yes. Yeah. And that's the thing about Ginsburg is that like it's why she's not famous because she's well measured. Yeah. Like she's she's <laughs> yeah. quiet and well measured and stylish and isn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and like um, and she she had a dude who didn't have a problem with that and like he he made and she had a like her mom was really into educating her because they only had one child but and it, like at the beginning her story is really crazy because it is one of those how does a woman dodge all of the challenges to get a good education in a world that's saying you should probably just settle down yeah and like yeah. she ended up at columbia because that's the good school that took women and jews she <laughs> oh, uh, she went to harvard law school and the first week that she was there there were nine spots for girls. So she and the nine girls go to a reception at the president's um, at the president's house. And he says, so why do you think it's OK that you took a spot from a man? <gasps> like this is a conversation he had with every woman there. She freaks out. She starts to stand up to respond to him. She drops an ashtray off of her skirt. She like freaks out, cleans it up and then says <laughs> like her response was, well, I think it will be good that I understand my husband's work. And like that <laughs> moment, <laughs> that moment always makes me feel better about every time you've had like a weird slight or a weird moment mm-hmm. where you didn't like take it on. Just sort of realizing that this who made it happen yeah. said, I just want to be a good wife. Aww. I emailed Marty Ginsburg. I should have brought it. I should have brought it. Yeah. And he replied to me. He <gasps> said, I was like, you're super funny. I'm a comedy writer. Just wanted to let you know if you ever decide to change careers, you just talk to me. And he said his response was great. It was like, my students so frequently suggest that I change careers. (laughs) But I think not for the reasons (laughs) that your very good note implies. Guy Branham's always funny on Twitter. uh, And his appearance on Never Not Funny podcast last year was one of the most episode, one of the most memorable episodes of that show for me last year. So, There you have it. Just a few examples of why you are going to love Baby Geniuses. New episodes come out every Tuesday. Is that right? I wrote that down, but I don't know if that's right. It comes out out twice a week. Uh, I'm sorry. It comes out every two weeks. 
and on a certain day, maybe Tuesday, but there's plenty of them already out for you to catch up on. You can find that show at MaximumFun.org, see more of Emily Heller's jokes on Twitter at Mr. Emily Heller, and see Lisa's art and jokes on Twitter at Lisa Draws. Okay, it's time for some quick updates. There are four previous podcast preview picks uh, that have live shows coming up. Welcome to this new segment, by the way, changing things up today. Okay, the worst idea of all time is going to have a live show in L.A. and in New York, more than one in each city, actually. They have details for that up on Facebook, but you'll have better luck if you just Google them. It's, It's hard to find. The L.A. shows are in just a couple of days, and the New York shows are a few days after that. So if you want to go, get on it. Spilled Milk is doing a show in L.A., I don't think they've done a live show outside of Seattle ever, certainly not recently. So if you live in L.A. and you like Spilled Milk, now is the time to see them live. Song Exploder is performing at music festivals. He was at Sundance in January, which I guess is not a music festival. Um, He'll be at Noise Pop, which is this Saturday. Um, He'll also be at Moog Fest in Durham, North Carolina this May. Now, if you're at South by Southwest, you can catch Song Exploder there. And there will also be a Who Charted live show there. So you're really in luck if you're going to be at south by southwest there's a couple new tv shows that have a lot of really great comedians that have a lot of great podcasts on there i'm counting it as podcast adjacent those two shows are love which is a netflix streaming show uh i mentioned before featuring paul rust and gillian jacobs and mitch uh mike mitchell um tons of great comedians i've heard a lot of great things about that show the other one is bajillion dollar properties which is a uh, a takeoff on those sort of uh house hunting house selling shows um that is produced and I think created by Kulap Lysak, host of Who Charted. Um, and there's a ton of really great people on that show, too. I'm really excited to see that. Um, all right. Thanks for listening to the podcast preview. Do you want to talk about podcasts? Is there a show you think I should recommend? You can send me a message on Facebook or Twitter at Podcast Preview. To keep up with the show, you can subscribe by searching the podcast preview in your favorite podcast app. If you rate my show, let me know on Twitter and I'll give you a shout out on the show. So I'd really appreciate that. I've got some cool stuff on the works, uh, which I'll announce on the social media pages as soon as I can. So follow there to uh, keep up. I'm Aaron Prince Staley. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>